Welcome to the spoiler cast for Rehydrate. This episode will contain spoilers for all of The Three-Body Problem, The Dark Forest, and Death's End. If you don't want to be spoiled on future events, please skip this episode. This is Season 5, Episode 1, The Staircase Program, where we will be discussing Part 1 of Death's End by Lucy Shin. My name is Amin, and I've only read up to the end of Part 1 of Death's End. My name is Talia. I've listened to the entire series, and I'm rereading along with the spoiler cast. The only exception is Death's End, which is my favorite, which I have read probably three times in full. Hey, this is Dan. I've read the entire series, and I've also read Death's End a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) So Dan, you want to talk about the upcoming interviews? Show updates wise, uh, we do. I, I still run the uh, Rehydrate interview series. It's kind of slowed down, but if you'd like to be a part of it, please feel free to contact us and be happy to have you on. Um, but I did do a very cool interview uh, the other day with the translator for some of uh, Lucy Shin's other works. And we talked about, he hasn't read this series, but we talked a lot about his experience of translating stuff from Chinese to English and some of his experiences with sci-fi and other kinds of stories that he's working on. So it should be out soon. So I encourage everyone to listen. I think it's really, it's really interesting. And subscribe. And subscribe and like does, and does, follow and smash that like button or whatever people do. <laughs> does, he, does he have a name or is it is it a secret? Oh, his name's Adam. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm excited about this new season. Yeah, if you have an interesting set of opinions, definitely contact Dan and we can get you on the interview series. All right. Well, speaking of Death's End, let's go into the summary for this chapter. So just briefly, the summary for this chapter is so we start with the uh, four-dimensional fragment in Constantinople. Uh, Yuan Tianming buys Chen Xing DX3906 and then tries to die. Cheng Xin endures Wade's psychological torture and comes up with the staircase program. They send uh, Yuan Tian's Ming brain somewhere out in space and is asked for flown off course at the last moment. And Cheng Xin hibernates into the future. So I wanted to start first. I mean, you had a something you specifically wanted to bring up on the spoiler cast around the uh, table of errors. I know I've been harping a lot about the uh, the table of errors being a spoiler and the chapter names being a spoiler, but you didn't think so. No, I... so. I don't care about spoilers. So as soon as I think this was towards the end of last or season three, Dan said, well, don't look at the table of eras at the beginning of this book because it'll spoil everything for you. So of course I ran and looked at it. And other, other than, other than outlining the number of years this book is going to cover, I didn't feel like there were a lot of spoilers in it. Like I, I knew it was going to start in Constantinople. I knew it was going to end thousands of years from now, but other than that, I'd, even as a slightly more than just casual reader, I didn't get a lot of insights from that. So I'm, I'm still curious, aside from spoiling the scope of the book, I'm not sure what else it spoils. I think the main thing that I was trying to get after was the last jump in the Table of Errors, like jump 16 million years into the future. Like, I think that that's a pretty big spoiler to me. The book really revolves around how the universe is eventually going to end, if it's going to just slowly drift apart or if it's going Mm -hmm. to be able to recollapse on itself and kind of do another big bang and the jump in the future i mean it's it's a hard leap to make you know to in your mind to think that that's what's going to happen but to me it's like it gives too much away of like where and when the story is going to go to by reading the table of errors and that's why i prefer to uh, skip it or i prefer people to skip it if they are versus brothers like i am but again you are not definitely (laughs) I think I did read it, though, when uh, I first read it. 
it didn't color my opinion. Maybe, I, maybe the and as I was reading it again, or as I was looking through the chapter of Barkins again in the ebook, anyway, they have like a, ta- a table of contents with like every chapter name, and I think that's even more of a spoiler. Yeah, once again, here's the plug for audiobooks. You won't have a choice. You won't get to read any table of contents. Right? They'll just announce <laughs> crisis era, and then once like one day it's just bunker era, and you're like, wait, what? When, right. when did we move? And then you'll just have to learn about it. I'm not averse to audiobooks. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think especially like the this the the chapters in the chapter titles in this book are even more spoilery because like. Uh, at the end of next chat, next episode, we'll get to like the last 10 minutes of the deterrence era and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like, well, what's going to happen? To the, I guess the deterrence era is over. <laughs> like what's going to happen there? So it's just kind of a, it kind of cut. And then you're thinking about it. It's like when you're watching a TV show and like, it's, there's like two minutes left. You're like, well, this is going to wrap up soon. So it's sort of like that. And and I think the other part of it is, I guess I didn't give a lot of critical thought to what the eras mean. Like, I didn't give a lot of thought to what is the deterrence era or what could it possibly be. I was just like, oh, mm. this is an era that covers this much time. And it's this is about how far it is from where Dark Forest ended. So so maybe that's the other reason I did not I did not find the mm-hmm. the eras, <laughs> the list of eras to be as egregious as as Dan was threatening to make it out to be yeah so let's do let's do a little fun experiment here more us probing a mean on like what he thinks oh, no. things are going to mean <laughs> so the <laughs> next the next big uh we know you know what the crisis era is and you, you know what the deterrence era is deterrent i mean we've told you i mean a bunch of times like yeah. that's that's the era where the kind of like standoff w- with the trisolarian so then we have the broadcast era so i mean can you guess what that means and to me that seems kind of obvious yeah i'm guessing there's some signal being broadcast out to the trisolarians or received from the trisolarians mm. mm, not really okay <laughs> not really <laughs> let's give it to him it's not the it's not to the trisolarians it's that they broadcast the coordinates of trisolaris so like the oh. turrets era ends because they broadcast the coordinates oh i see well that's not actually true there's a little bit more that happens in there <laughs> that's not very nice it's of them not very nice that's right but wait is it doesn't that isn't that mutually assured destruction if they do that well it's all it's because yeah. the trislands already destroyed us <laughs> oh. like they already the the deterrence era fails because Changxin takes over the deterrence from la ji and doesn't invoke it and the trislands take advantage of that take over the earth and commit <laughs> broad scale genocide <laughs> You will read about it, though. What do you think about what happened here in part one? Uh, we talked about kind of a strange diversion. Like if you opened up this book and started reading about Constantinople, you might think I'm in the wrong book. Like I definitely did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this on the main podcast, but I liked I liked the diversion. I thought the story itself, I thought it was a good, small, self-contained mm-hmm. story that was interesting and perhaps i like historical fantasy fiction or whatever you call this but i would have been fine reading a whole book about constantinople and witchcraft and there's more self-contained fiction coming up oh i'm intrigued yeah so i i i like that again i'm not sure how it connects to everything else but i i like that part of it quite a bit Mm -hmm. So I'll again come back the as a, as a tangent when you're talking about historical fiction. The interview I just did with with Adam, the, the book he's currently working on is a translation of a book that's in China that is made into a TV show here. It's called The Longest Day in Chang'an. Uh, it's historical fiction, and so 
if you're interested in Chinese historical fiction, I would probably recommend that book because I've started watching the TV show before and it's, my, my wife also really recommended it. So uh, it's it's from the Tang Dynasty, I think said, I forget, but it's Chang'an is the old capital of China and it's like about intrigue and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen that or, or read that? No, I've taken some, you know, courses on Chinese history and the Tang era is romanticized in pretty much all of, you know, current Chinese like poems and stories and movies. And it's sort of understandable. It does sort of sound like a very interesting dynamic city center. Um, mm. So I would actually be interested in reading reading that if your wife recommends it. Yeah, she she really recommended the TV show. I don't know if she read the book, but, but yeah. So Adam is translating that into English, but I mean, you could read it in Chinese, I guess, but I cannot. Very, very, very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I really tore through this book in English, that is. So I kind of like reading these, these interesting parts very quickly. Mm. So I actually had to go back and reread, as I did for the spoiler cast, about you know, the Yangdong chapter, I think I understood the sort of the parts that pay off very quickly, like Yun Tianming, we meet him, and he's like immediately dying. And, you know, then euthanasia is brought in very quickly. So it's easy to track. But the whole chapter about Yangdong, she's been referred to a lot, like in all three books, but this is the first time really like understanding why she felt the way she did what she found out about her mother and i didn't get that on the first pass would you say that that left any kind of an impression on you the first time you read it i think it did not um but it definitely did on subsequent readings for sure and i think not not her specifically but like the concepts they bring up and i think the kind of parallels well, that's that always she... the problem it's yeah. never really about the character is it Right, right. Yeah, I think the specifically like the where she's talking about, uh, or the, her and and the, and the other guy are talking about the how life in like the planet does not only make life possible, but life makes the planet possible, and how that kind of parallels mm-hmm. to the or could parallel to the universe. But the scientist is like, I don't know. There's too. like, I don't know if there's stuff out there. And then she like knows like that there's even well, more color to it. He goes right? even further. He says like, well, life is very rare. Yeah. And she just sort of like, mm, is it now? Because <laughs> yeah. he knows more than he does. Right. Ex- except for like, yeah, the other alien race, it's like super close to us. <laughs> except literally our closest star has, right. life, <laughs> has advanced life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I thought that, that part was, 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 it was more interesting on subsequent reads, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of interesting to like, oh, okay, Yang Dong, that's interesting. And she found out her, that this is where she found out her mother. And then, yeah, it, it doesn't click with you immediately that like, it's especially like as we get further in the book, like how that all kind of ties in. Well, shall we the, shall we tease the identity of who she was talking to, or keep that a secret until the end? I saw your note about it. I didn't. I, I did, didn't pick up on it myself. Sure. So, uh, I mean, do you remember like why Yang Dong is in this lab? Like she's actually talking to someone else. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. No. Then it's probably not important enough. He's just referred to as green glasses. (laughs) Yeah, she's talking to a physicist who is sort of giving her his opinion on the universe and saying that life is necessary for the world to be as it is, but it's not it's negligible on the scale of the universe. And you know, they they leave after a very short interaction. It's only later that that is revealed to be a much younger Ding Yi, the physicist. When is it revealed? I don't remember it being revealed. When when is that? I, I guess we'll have to tag along um, to the end yeah. of Death's End. Anyway. Yeah, I, um, I, I really don't remember that. I, I It's very possible I missed it. <laughs> but weren't they, they were dating, right? 
maybe this is afterwards. Like, I guess like the timeline gets kind of screwy, right? I don't know, like how long after she realizes that her yeah, mother, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that she later suicide. they start dating, but I think this is them meeting. Kali, what did I mean? Going back to the, to the Constantinople chapters, did, did uh, I mean, obviously, it's a big uh, kind of sh- yeah, like you said, like it's a shift in tone and a shift in <laughs> is this the right book? I think similar no, to Three Body Problem. Idea. Like, because I was listening, not reading, I, I couldn't sit <laughs> back. I was like, what am I listening? I went backward and forward, and I was like, no, I'm looking for this book about aliens. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I did sort of question its utility, but it was enjoyable. I wondered, you had introduced it at the top of the show as like a four-dimensional fragment. And I'm wondering, is that actually confirmed? All we know is that she's clearly able to remove things from sealed places. I'm wondering if it's too fantastic to imagine, like, why does it have to be four? What if she found a five-dimensional fragment where there's more than one access to time? That's true. It could be more, but they do specifically say the the age of magic began at four o'clock in the afternoon of May third, fourteen fifty three, when the high dimensional fragment first intersected with the Earth. It ended at nine it's o'clock. It's just o'clock. high dimensional. Yeah, could be more. Could be more than than four. I I was assuming like it was uh, mirroring the four dimensional pockets that we see later on. I think yeah, I think they specifically call four dimensional. That that's why I assumed it was four dimensional. I think it's a cosmological question, though. Like, I don't know if in his theory of the universe, can five and three dimensional worlds interact? Or does five have to collapse down into four before it can collapse into three? Because later we talk about the dual vector foil collapses things, obviously, into two dimensions. And then Mm. later, Guan Yifen is saying, you know, there are civilizations trying to collapse things into one dimension, but we've never seen any evidence of it. And that Mm. maybe made me think that maybe you can't skip where you have to go through. But if not, you know, maybe there's just like an 11 dimensional fragment floating around somewhere. Yeah. And um, the same way Guan Yifen said, like, maybe humans have seen it, but humans really have not been around all that long. Right. Jing Yi <laughs> even talks about, you know, very quickly, I mean, millions of years, which is very quick on geologic terms, which is again, a bit of foreshadowing. And it reminds me that humans have been around like way less than 1% of how long dinosaurs have been around. So if anyone would have <laughs> encountered one of these high dimensional fragments, like it probably wasn't Constantinople. It was probably a dinosaur. Actually, Tim mentioned something interesting on the uh, kind of offhand, like his, his assumption is about the fragment was that it's alien technology, but it's not really alien no, technology. not really. Yeah, but like I was like, if is anything, alien 3D is alien technology. Yeah, I mean, there's aliens in the four dimensional space. Like when we get to the ring part. Well, only because they fled there. Yeah, but the pocket itself is not alien. So I don't know. It's, uh, I was, I didn't say anything because I don't want to spoil anything, obviously. But yeah, how to refer to it is is an interesting question. Well, it's so interesting that he would guess that because that's almost sort of a cop out. If you can say like it's aliens, it's sort of the same criticism or question rather that I think Leo Sushin is challenging his audience with which is about God are we here on this wonderful planet with lots of water and summers and Caribbean beaches because of God because it doesn't seem possible if you just look at the physics like if there had been one extra atom we would have never existed or like there would have been no matter in the universe just time and space So how can we possibly explain all these things? Some people say God or some people will say aliens. And I think he's maybe challenging that in the same way that he's 
saying that life is responsible for the universe and vice versa. But we can't stay in Constantinople forever. A lot yeah. happens in part one. Definitely. So I guess, do you have any thoughts around, uh, I mean, did you have any thoughts when you first read it about going back to the, studying this book back in the crisis era when we actually get into the story? Were you disappointed that we, you know, we've, we spent so much time in the future uh, with the cool future technology, and now we're going back to basically the start of the crisis era, which is, you know, more or less modern times. Did you have any, do you have any recollection of like what your thought, thoughts were there? Oh, yeah. I don't mind going back into the crisis era. I don't mind that it's like near future. I know euthanasia is like semi-legal, semi-illegal, semi-possible, and perhaps some forms of hibernation on a very short scale. So just sort of extending that runway and entertaining the story where these things are available and illegal. It's pretty interesting to me. And again, it gives me hope for, I won't even jump into this corner that we sometimes have on our show of like, how could they adapt this? But it seems very <laughs> natural and very easy that we could start integrating parts of this book three into the same season or the same movie as, you know, the last book that we spent a lot of time on. The interesting part also uh, about the this this return to the crisis era is that it seems like humans are more flailing around it's that's what our sense like we're kind of like flailing around like any kind of thing that we can do like i don't know what can we do to defeat the trislarians what's fire a brain into space maybe that'll work (laughs) you know i mean maybe it's better than being complacent (laughs) what do you think but yeah i mean it it really much it it seems like we're just kind of doing shots in the dark here and this this book in particular in this part of the crisis era seems to hammer that home a little bit more then I think to me that the wall phaser program did the wall phaser program is also kind of a shot in the dark but, too, but, but they it, both worked like both yeah. of those shots in the dark. <laughs> they did work. Like let's fire <laughs> brain into space it worked. Right. Right. But it like at the time, like everyone's like, well, you're going to do what? You'll see the brain into space. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we got to do something, right. We got to like placate the public. Mm-hmm. The, there was a, a phrase that that was in the past outside of time or, or the, 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 the book inside the book. And I talk about the infantilism or something where, you know, like we're just kind of like being infants in, in, our, in the crisis. And like, we're trying to just gr- grasp for something in, in these, these trying times. And it does seem more pronounced in this part of the crisis era than it ever was in the the first one, where it seemed more rooted in like actual like interesting ideas, like that don't. I mean, most of them don't pan out, like Diaz. And I have a question for Amin. I think so. We have in this part one Yun Tianming, who's sitting on his hospital bed, and he's sort of in the class of people who think it's ridiculous to worry about something anything that's happening 400 years in the future even if it's like the total destruction of your whole humankind and it's assured and you know it's happening he thinks like nothing at that scale of 400 years in the future is worth worrying about uh which side of that debate do you think you would be on i i think the total destruction of the planet i would i would slightly worry about that but most other things i think on a 400 year time scale it would be tough for me to imagine the implications in the future. So I wouldn't really worry about it that much. Like people in the Jamestown colonies in Virginia, they, they weren't worried about, I don't know, fake news or whatever people today worry about. So it seems, um, it just, it just seems like the destruction of the planet rises to the level of something I would care about, but probably not much more than that. How about you? 
in the same way that we here in the West might think about like, you know, really, really old people, at least in our lifetime, really, really old people might have lived through World War II, maybe. And then their parents, who we aren't even able to speak to, would have memories of World War One. And in China, the way that Yun Tianming is talking about how absurd it is to think 400 years ago, is he's saying, like, it was the Ming Dynasty. Like, not only did our form of government not exist, not even the most recent dynasty, like 1900s dynasty, that wasn't even founded yet. That's how old it was. And he even talks about the guy who eventually, is this Jurchen general who eventually sets the stage for the Qing Dynasty. And I thought that was possibly because Nurhachi's era name was Tianming. And I wondered if that was done on purpose. But needless to say, it was a really, really long time ago. And no one during the Ming Dynasty would worry about whatever, you know, chemotherapy that he is worried about didn't even exist back then. Or assume that like in that in the ensuing years that it's going to just be fixed or resolved, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's eh, 400 years, though. They'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like uh, we might worry about it, but it would have to be pretty convincing that it was actually going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, climate change is an existential crisis. That's what I thought of, too. I mean, like, total destruction (laughs) of the planet. I'm like, that's what we are doing. That's literally what we're doing. Right. Slowly. (laughs) It's not even 400 years in the future. Like, planet's going to die in, like, 100 years or whatever. But everyone's like, ah, the scientists will figure it out. So another interesting point that I think, uh, talking about the main show again, that that Tim picked up, and and maybe Amin picked up right away, is that, uh, we we're talking about Wade and how he they picked up almost immediately how he's a sociopath <laughs> and how he you know like just tries to get he not tries he gets pleasure out of seeing people fail or having you know being uncomfortable or being feeling like feeling bad right like he feels good when other people feel bad and he you know he kind of taunts and uh tortures Cheng Xing the whole time and specifically like saying, oh, by the way, the guy who's about to die gave her the star, knowing that he's going to die, and then knowing that she was like really interested in who was going to give it to her. And so that obviously plays like a really big part in the rest of the story, that kind of dichotomy of, of Chung Xin's philosophy versus Wade's philosophy, it, to the point where Wade tries to kill her uh, in the next chapter, or the next part, or the next episode. One thing that I found is like, one of the un- most annoying parts of Reddit is the people who just like, glom onto wade and they have like wade gang and that kind of stuff and like i don't know where that comes from <laughs> or why people do that but it's it's really annoying on, uh, on reddit yeah <laughs> yeah like you, you see like these people like posting about wade and like that is not supposed to be a guy that you're really supposed to like <laughs> i think or maybe maybe i'm just reading it that way like I, there's not one time in the whole book that i liked wade or that i thought it was meant to like wade I don't know. Was that your experience as well? I mean, there are characters I like. Uh, I just wouldn't ever call myself Wade Gang or Chongxin Gang. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think you probably see them more than I do because you do like the hard-hitting journalism and research and recruiting. <laughs> I was going to ask if if this is the last we see of Wade or is there more of him? I, I guess one part of one book it doesn't seem like a lot to glom onto but also i don't know so that should answer your question yeah yeah we see a lot more of wade okay yeah very uh pivotal character in the a pivotal foil for chung shin for the rest of the 
And sort of arguably the most powerful human being in the solar system for a couple of years. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Not not even arguably. He probably is. Yeah. He (laughs) just is. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think like maybe the reason people kind of hang on to him is that he makes those kind of militaristic decisions, you know, that people maybe want. They want that strongman type. They want the the person that's not going to care about killing millions of people cognizantly. You know, like Chengxin kind of does kill a lot of people with her decisions, but she doesn't do it on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like where Wade is, Wade is more explicitly saying like, I'm going to kill a bunch of people. If I don't get my way, I'm going to, you know, fire the antimatter bullets and kill a bunch of people so I can continue this research. Yeah, but not even strangers. Like he realized that someone in his own lab, who I think Chengxin has already met at this point in time, who would be an asset to his like work project and he's like oh that guy'd be an asset to my work project but he needs to have cancer in a terminal way so i think i'm just going to give him cancer because it might advance my work project and that's never something chung shin mm. does right or would do <laughs> or would do right but he is you know he does appeal to a certain kind of fairy tale mentality i know we talk about yun tianming as like the character from a fairy tale but fairy tales are often very dark and i think mm. it's arguable that Wade does have that sort of mythical fairy tale aspect about himself as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like he just appeals to people who like that kind of strong, quote unquote, strong dictator kind of model to not make us think and just like rule us all with an iron fist, right? And like he'll figure it out and like we'll be better for it, you know, oh. that need that kind of figure. Or maybe they just hate Chengxin that much where <laughs> they just like, like anybody who shoots her. And goes against her, right? Although, yeah, eventually, just like e- even like Wade uh, gives in to Chengxin's will. So there was uh, another interesting interview that I found uh, that someone posted on the Three Body Reddit. That was a interview with uh, Lisa Shin from back in 2011, uh, talking about his her you know his decisions on her character. Um, and I thought it gave some pretty interesting insight that I hadn't heard before. You know, obviously we know that he's not or hadn't up to this point been super strong on characterization. Uh, we we get a little bit of backstory on characters like Yuanjie and but not much on even Luoji. We don't get that much backstory other than the very like surface level. But yeah, I think Chengxin and yeah, yeah Chengxin we get a lot of backstory for her or no, not backstory, but like a lot of her inner monologue, right, uh, and her thoughts around stuff. The one of the interesting quotes that I found was so the question was the disagreement with and this is translated from Chinese and Google Translate so forgive any <laughs> any weirdness with the translation uh, I'm not a professional tra- Chinese translator but it says the the disagreement with Chengxin may affect reader's sense of substitution and identification with the novel have you worried about that and the assistant says the person who wrote this didn't think about the reader like it. This is not the person the readers would like. She's actually very selfish, but it is this kind of selfishness is different from ordinary selfishness because she can't notice it. People who follow morals are actually very selfish because they don't care about anything except for morals and conscience. Chengxin is such a person. She will think she will be very noble, that she is not selfish, and that her values and ethics are universal and correct. As for the consequences of following it, she only considers whether she can make her consequences peaceful. So... Mm. I thought that was an interesting way you know, that he was thinking about that character, that she is actually not heroic herself and that she is actually being selfish and not wavering from her ideals. And she doesn't throughout the book. She wants to do things her way, even because she thinks they're right. And I think, you know, as 
me as a reader, I also thought her her ways were were more or less right, um, even though they lead to kind of disastrous consequences. But I think better that than the the more militaristic way of dealing with it and just killing people, you know, not buying into the dark force uh, principle, I guess. That's kind of a long rambly prelude, but I, I know, Tali, you had also done some reading on this article. Did you have more thoughts on it? I did read this article, and I thought that this interview, he really kind of clapped back with a, a shorter quote that I can read now. You say people don't like the protagonist, but actually people don't like themselves, which, I mean, isn't that true? <laughs> In his sense, right. he's saying Chongqing is what you would do. Like, would you really push that button? I mean, already said earlier, like, wait a minute, wouldn't that be like mutually assured destruction for Earth as well? Yes. And most people would not do that. And she's just very ordinary. And that's in line with some universal values that like a child would know. It's precisely this choice. He says it's this choice that pushes human beings to extinction. But it's also like she is sending Yun Tianming's brain, even though she's horrified at the idea of it she's like well we need to give him food she's the one who assures that he has food and without that like i don't know that their whole plan would ever survive they just assumed that he'd be like mm. put into a little jar and kept awake with like alien superfluids and she was like nope humans need food and she's responsible for that and it's these series of choices that i continue to think drive the plot forward in a really interesting way yeah i thought the this whole interview i i don't know why i i, I hadn't seen this these points of view from him specifically like maybe i just hadn't sought them out but um yeah i'll definitely link it in the in the show notes because i think there's a lot of interesting perspectives if you can deal with the google translate version of it because i don't i mean someone translated on just like the small part of it on reddit but didn't translate the entire article but I, the the whole thing has like a lot of interesting uh, insights I just, I don't know, because I haven't read the original article or the translated version, but when you said, like, the reader's sense of substitution, I, I didn't know what that meant. Disagreement with Chang-Chin may affect reader's sense of substitution and identification with it. Yeah, I, I took it as, like, the people, because people don't like Chang-Chin, like, the people's, I don't know, like, identification or, like, the sense of liking the book, you know, like, people identify mm -hmm. with the book is, uh, or substituting themselves in the book, right? Oh, okay. Might, might be affected. That that's how I took it anyway. And, and that again, that's Google Translate <laughs> <laughs> translating Chinese. And so like who knows how good of a job they're doing. Well, whether you like her or hate her or haven't made up your mind, uh, she does stay with us for quite a while. So I think this ends with Chongxin hibernating to the future. And one of the reasons Dan was saying, you know, the timelines get all screwy is because this happens more than once. So you do want to keep track of characters because they move through time in interesting ways. Yeah. And I think it's cool how that she doesn't just go to, she doesn't follow like Luo Ji's timeline, but she, like we start out like in, in deterrence era already. Mm -hmm. Like she jumps way into the future. <laughs> and, I, and I think the next chapters are, I mean, like the whole book's awesome. I, as I like look at every chapter, like I was like, oh man, next chapter is all about the sword holder stuff. And yeah, like the, the countdown of, of like every, the precise minutes that happen between like her taking the button, the Trisolarians, like, t you know, attacking, and plus, next next episode, we also get the stuff with the Bronze Age, which I know you really like. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to the to the main show yet, because um, I just put it up like yesterday. But <laughs> so what, one one kind of funny thing is like I was telling Tim to do avoid the chapter names, 
and to to not look at them because they they contain spoilers. And he was like, "Well, I saw the the chap the the title for the next one is called Bronze Age. So I guess we're going back to the Bronze Age." And I was like, "Nope, <laughs> you're not spoiled <laughs> that would on be it." Great. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't know if you remember, but Bronze Age is actually one of the ships that escaped. It's one of the ships. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. I thought I thought in that table of contents they they put it in italics, so. I, that's how I remembered there was a ship. I wouldn't have, I would have thought the same thing as Tim had I not mm-hmm. noticed that. Yeah. I mean, it's like a billion ship names to remember. I know, but there's so many misleads. There's so many misleads because he does list like 40 names of ships and they're like Western heroes and they're old Chinese names. And then like one page later, it's like, they've all been destroyed. <laughs> yeah. And then you think that some are the ones who are going to survive. And then actually, you know, it switches and the one you thought was going to survive actually was just another casualty. Yeah. Especially with like John Bay high on one of them, right? Like you figured that one's going to make it, but nope. And then like the one that destroys him, like that doesn't even make it. It's the one that destroys the one that destroys him. Right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of twists and yeah, lots of the, uh, and then bronze age is not even the one that is, uh, is important. About. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. About. <laughs> So wait, so we spend time with a ship that really doesn't matter? No, it matters. It matters I mean, a lot. It just doesn't it, oh, okay. you know, make it. Right, right. So, I mean, the uh, I, Talia talked about this in a previous spoiler cast where the Bronze Age, they kind of trick it into coming back saying, hey, you guys can actually come back. It's okay. We're, you know, we understand what you did, but they do not understand what they did. And they put them on trial for it, uh, for for basically the Battle of Darkness. And they also try, try to trick the... Um, the, the other ship they're coming back to and they don't. It's a very consequential ship in the story-wise, I think. And a, and a really cool chapter, like an interesting way to tell it because it's like, uh, like Talia mentioned before, it's kind of written as a uh, a, a court document, you know, a court, like a, a court transcript mm-hmm. of what actually how the trial goes down. And then, you know, humanity's reaction to something like the Battle of Darkness, like I, I kind of try to see this um, in an unspoiler way to see, like, do you think humanity's what is humanity's reaction going to be to the Battle of Darkness? Do they, are they going to understand that it's everyone's low on resources, and so like they're going to understand like the actions they took to to kind of fire on the other ships to take their resources, or they're not? And it turns out they, they do not. They they put them on trial for crimes against humanity or something like that. Lots of uh, lots of crimes against humanity in these books. Yeah, like the last thing I had was, uh, you know, kind of reading through this book, I wanted to kind of pull out some sentences that I thought were interesting and kind of foreshadowing some things that are going to happen. And I picked out two, and I, I think, Tali, you added the, another one. Um, so the two I found were both specifically talking about the fairy tales and so in, in, in referring to um, Tian Ming. And so the one of the quotes is, uh, throughout Tian Ming's purchasing process, purchasing the star, the young woman had stolen glances at him from time to time as though he was a figure from a fairy tale, Ooh. which he kind of turns out to be sort of, I mean, I don't know if he's in the fairy tale, but he made the fairy tale. So, uh, and the other one is, uh, what an idiot I am. Did I think because I gave her a star out of love that she would return that love? Did I think she had flown across the Pacific to save me with her saintly tears? What kind of fairy tale have I been telling myself? So it's interesting that the term fairy tale has uh, kind of popped up a bunch of times when it's a really pivotal part of, of this book. And kind of turns the the series on its uh, the humanity on its head, right? Because yeah. like everyone's thinking changed after that time, and it's my favorite part of the whole series. <laughs> so I'm really excited to get to it. And Tali, you had picked another one, right? Yeah, I said it a little bit earlier in the episode, but in Dingy's 
statement that life is stronger than metal and stone, which we'll come to test later. He does say soon means on the order of millions of years, a blink of an eye in geological mm. terms. He's already thinking like a cosmologist, mm. not like, you know, someone who has very planetary mindset, as Rick would say. So I, I think the the quote about where he says, did I think because I gave her a star out of love, she would return that love? That that foreshadowing I picked up on that that one was not subtle, and again, not knowing actually what happens, I that one I thought was pretty clumsily telegraphed. But the other two I did not hear know about, so that's interesting. The, it reminded me of like in the because I picked out the titles for each episode before the 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 season started, and I named the final episode "Our Star." Because uh, that's what the the title is called, and I was like, "Is that too much of a spoiler?" I mean, but it, it doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does, but like, it, I don't know. There's a lot more meaning to it than than that. But I, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. <laughs> I really tried to try hard to not give spoilers in the titles, but I thought that I just love that 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 term so much because it's so it's so consequential to the the entire story. That's right. All right. Well, any more thoughts on this part and I guess what things are you are you looking forward forward to I'm looking forward to everyone going to rehydrate.space and reading my bio which is brand new making its debut on our website and you can read a means too it's very very thorough <laughs> yeah it, it is set, a, set aside a few hours to, to go through my bio <laughs> when you're at rehydrate.space I think you have a you even have a dedicated URL. I think it like I think uh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Host, so. <laughs> and I would say I'm definitely looking forward to the episode of the main show that I'll be on. So the finale. That's what I'm yeah. looking forward to. It's a little bit away, but yeah, the it'll the by that time like we'll have all we won't have it, the, the spoiler cast and the main show will be a one thing. We can just talk about everything. It'd be nice to like not have to like couch all my. <laughs> What I'm trying to say, and like, hopefully, it's not a spoiler, or like, you know, try to be coy about stuff. So You're yeah, good I'm, on the I'm main also show. looking forward I think to that. You, you don't like let a lot slip. I think that's great. I I, I think about it a lot because <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I am very spoiler averse myself, and I would hate to be the person that spoils stuff for people. Uh, but at the same time, like, I do have additional context around the the show, so I would kind of want to like nudge people in the right direction to like look for specific things. So hopefully. Uh, that comes across and it's, you know, enhancing the the experience for people who don't care about spoilers and also do care about spoilers. So I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, how about you? What what are you looking forward to? So I've generally decided that the plot points in this book are, are MacGuffins more or less. So the characters don't matter. Um, really, it's just an opportunity for scientific and sociological exploration so I'm looking forward to that part of it because, yeah, I, I think I think in general this isn't these aren't character driven books, but they're event driven books, and I'm looking forward to the events. I thought it was interesting in the interview that Dan and I had read before the top of the show to see Leo Sushin say exactly the same thing. He said that these are not women I like. He was asked about the women that he writes. And he said, they're not women that I like. They just knew their tools to drive the plot. But what was interesting to me is that he named three heroines for his book. And he mm. claimed the rationale of Ye Wenjie. I think I can give him that. The dreaminess of Zhuang Yan. 
and the benevolence of Changshin. And I just, Changshin, we'll see. But I just did not read Zhuang Yan as the heroine of book two, if someone had described her that way. Yeah, the, it's basically like a non-character. But it... But he, but he also writes. He also writes very stereotypical male characters as well. It's not that oh, he, definitely. he yeah. only d- doesn't know how to write. F- f- less someone think. I know no one said this, but less someone thinks that we're just picking on him for not knowing how to write female characters. I don't think he writes male characters all that convincingly either. <laughs> <laughs> or he doesn't write male characters outside of traditional tropes. Mm. I guess that much. Well, I hope your opinion of of uh, him not being able to characterize people does change a little bit or softens anyway. Yeah. Cause I do think that she is characterized very well and you do care about her um, as, as the story progresses and especially mm-hmm. towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, her story gets intertwined with uh, Yun Ting Ming at, you know, towards the end, it becomes super powerful and, and heartbreaking at, at the end. So hopefully like your, your opinion is, is changed or at least, altered slightly not it's not totally the scientific concepts i will totally agree that they are awesome in the the sense that they are they are full of awe <laughs> um towards towards the end of this book uh but the, i think the characterization is also vastly improved at the throughout this book thanks for listening leave comments by emailing us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or on twitter at rehydrate pod please join us next episode for the sword holders the first half of part two of book three, That's N by Lucy Shin. Mm-hmm.